0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fan's Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Cecil Ami, Rachel Veal hanging out with you on this Friday. Gentlemen, how are we? How are everyone doing?
1: They're still punching. You know, that's what I'm always going to say. So, yeah, just started, but it's Friday. Let's go. That extra what? hour the ro- the, the Avs are playing earlier, it's going to be nice.
2: I'm going to enjoy a Friday night, hopefully, with an Avs celebration.
0: Yes, I'm with you. I had my two nieces staying at my house last night, so I got to play the mom role. So I have been up for now five hours already, which is very unlike me. I'm not a morning person. So let's kick it off. We've got energy. We're ready. The Rockies dropped new uniforms this morning. Lots of people saying that they look like the Colorado license plate. So here they are. Cecil, hate them or love them.
1: Yeah, I don't mind them. I don't really. I'm not against that. I just like the traditional jerseys. I hate the fact that Colorado has like 50 license plates, because in my day, this is where I get to go on my old man rants. You guys get to entertain me every Friday. Uh, In my day, there was like one plate for Colorado. Like that was it. It It's green and white and it's white and green or whatever. It's our normal standard plate. And so now, and I get when you see like a Purple Heart plate or something, right? Something very special. You're like, oh my God, that's that's someone driving around that's got a Purple Heart. Those are different. But the fact that there's like, uh, you know, a Batman license plate or something, I'm being ridiculous, but like there's 50 different license plates now in Colorado. So I kind of like it where you could look, see where a car is from, kind of know that plate in your head. Now with Colorado having a zillion different plates, it's like, eh, whatever. So I'd rather rant about the 50 license plates than the Colorado Rockies changing it. How about they win? How about they win more games on the road? How about they not be pathetic or an embarrassment? How about that? You know, that would be better. That I could build up my energy for that. New uniforms, yeah, whatever. It's fine. This is pretty. Yeah, this is pretty significant
2: uh, in my mind, actually, in Rockies history. This is the first time... They've had a big change in their uniforms. And granted, the City Connect program allows them to kind of go outside the line, so to speak. Uh, They're adding green to the color scheme. The only time green has been part of their color scheme is for the 1998 All-Star Game. So this is a pretty significant thing the Rockies are doing and taking kind of a modern approach to their uniforms. I actually like the uniforms. I think I need to see them on the field. Um, I think the inspiration for the license plate is kind of stupid. Um, like just say it's a green pine tree with a white snow cap mountain on it. Like that's fine. Um, the weird part about this jersey is for those who are real seam heads will know you can't wear white sleeves in baseball and you can see Ryan McMahon wearing white sleeves here. So I'm trying to figure out if they're gonna have to wear green sleeves with the uniforms because that'll look kind of weird where it's white and then green again. Uh, I think this hat, which we don't have a close up of, but you can find almost anywhere online, is going to be on every single hike you see for the rest of your life. Like this is the patented Colorado hiker hat. Like people are going to wear this hat with like the trucker back or the camo back. And it's just got that perfect Colorado logo where it's not really a Rockies logo either. So distancing themselves from their sorry history, as Cecil just mentioned, um, (laughs) with maybe a little bit of a uniform reband. But yeah, I was really excited for the Rockies to introduce green. I don't think they nailed this jersey, but I also have an addendum. This is the City Connect program, not the State Connect program. Why is this jersey not honoring Denver? I understand that the Rockies uh, are supposed to be about the region, the Colorado Rockies, but – please do something that shows you're proud of the city that gifts you millions of dollars to your billionaire owner that has the ballpark in lower downtown. The only thing they really do with, uh, that honors the city on their jerseys, they have fifty two eighty. 80. Then they have the stadiums coordinates on the sides, but I, I would have loved if they did something in the vein of maybe something that showed, uh, the history of, uh, five points with the jazz that was going on there, or just something that was a little bit different and outside the lines. Instead, they took the opportunity to go outside the lines of the Colorado Rockies norm to guess what? Honor the mountains, the Rockies. So, yeah. Just well, been- what are we
1: talking about at the end of the day, Jake? And here's where my cynical part comes in. Money. You know, a special jersey for the city will make you a little bit of money. You make one with the mountains, like you said, you're going to, we're going to all be on hikes somewhere, and everyone's going to be wearing it. Hell, I'm going to go get that hat. You know what I mean? Like, that's what Take it's about. a guess
0: at how much those are.
1: The what? The hat?
0: The jerseys.
1: The jerseys? If they're authentic, they should be about three bills.
0: $475.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want an authentic one, I mean, if you don't... I. Probably know guys who get you one for 50 bucks, but like, yeah, no, if it's authentic, you know, I'm a Jersey snob. So don't start me on that. Um, I, when I go to Broncos games, if I ever see a 1995, uh, a, a 1994, excuse me, Terrell Davis 75th anniversary throwback Jersey, I lose my mind because Terrell Davis came into the league in 95, the 75th anniversary of the NFL was 94. So those jerseys, which look great, Steve Atwater, Carl Mecklenburg, uh, John Elway, those are great looking jerseys. Terrell, da- Leonard Russell was their running back, not Terrell Davis. So don't get me started on jerseys. If it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's authentic. Should be. I feel what's you. Most- I feel you. Oh,
0: what's go the ahead, most Rachel, either one ahead. of you have ever paid for a jersey?
2: Um, I, so Chicago Blackhawks, my, my father's a fan. One year for his birthday, I got him a jersey. Um, Chicago Blackhawks have a special technique where on the patch of their jerseys, they're not just stitched, they're chain stitched. So all the feathers are stitched individually uh, in a special fabric that's made in Quebec, the Jersey for the Blackhawks, I think costs like 410 400, the actual authentic. So that's the most I've ever paid for a Jersey, but I will say I understand hockey jerseys costing a lot more due to the sweater made, and it's a sweater. So yeah. I have always been willing to pay the three bills for a hockey Jersey to be authentic, but to pay for a baseball jersey that's like, like this, this sucks. Like I'm <laughs> telling you, like, I love it. Like this is a cool jersey. You know, got Tua on the back, but it probably cost them maybe ten dollars to make. It's not unique and it doesn't look good. Like I can't wear it anywhere but to a Rockies game. So uh, the the fact that I think this was a gift, the fact that someone paid two hundred fifty dollars for this for me, let alone four seventy, like get out of here, get lost.
0: Cecil, what about you? What's the most expensive oh, I, jersey? I don't
1: know. three $300. You know, whatever NFL authentic jerseys are. Because, again, I have 78 jerseys. 70 I I think I might have been pushing towards 80. I kind of slowed down in recent years because as you get older, you're just like, why am I wearing the name of another man on my back? Like, okay. So, <laughs> like, if they're my favorite players or they're friends of mine, like I have all CJ Anderson's jerseys, right? Because he's my friend. He's my bowling partner um so yeah that's that's a little different for me but you know 350 whatever the authentic one is that's that's the most and I'm I'm not an autograph guy so I don't buy autograph stuff I don't ask players I know for autographs because that's just that's just not me I know a lot of people like them but that's not my thing
0: holy smokes wait a second we have to get into the bowling comment real quick I didn't even know you bowled
1: Well, not since CJ left. So it's been a minute and I'm not good at it. Bowling's like golf or, uh, you know, darts or whatever. If you can get better at it while you're drinking, it's not really a sport. So that's just me.
0: Fair enough. Jake and I are both doing the um, switch bowling or like the Wii Sports switch bowling nowadays. So we're trying to become professionals at I that. I just but...
2: bowling left-handed, Rachel, because my right hand hurts so much from how much I've been bowling on Switch Sports.
0: <laughs> my first night after doing it, the next morning I woke up and my tricep was sore. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a real sport if anyone needs <laughs> to talk about it. But let's get into the Colorado Avalanche because a big game tonight, game six between the abs and the blues D max is out in St. Louis. He's covering morning skate today, but Kale McCarr had an interesting quote about Nathan McKinnon and the way that the team let them down saying, personally, I felt bad after the game. He put us on his back and he should have won us that game. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it. I felt like we let him down. That's playoff Nate right there. Did this team let down Nathan McKinnon, Jake?
2: A hundred percent. I mean, Nathan McKinnon had an all time Colorado sports performance uh in game five and a hat trick to save his team after blowing a three nothing lead and to you know get that game winning goal of just three four five minutes left right there at the end and the crowd was as loud as i've ever heard ball arena the hats on the ice that should have been iconic scene like the moment you think about when you think of nathan mckinnon's career and instead we're out here talking about can Cal McCarr step up and stuff like that? Because, you know, it wasn't Kale McCarr's fault, the goal that ended up tying it and putting an OT, but he was on the ice for it. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just such a shame the Avs couldn't have more. And to be honest, McKinnon's moment, that hat trick goal should have been an empty netter. Like the Avs should have never blown a 3 nothing lead. They let their foot off the gas. And as we know, when an avalanche decelerates, it just turns into slot. Uh, that's what happened on the ice as well as on the Hills. Uh, so yeah, I just, I think the Avs. you know, Jared Bednar hit the, hit the, the hand, the nail on the hammer, the hammer on the nail, nail. on the
1: head and <laughs> nail on the
2: head. See, you're going to see why I'm confused. He hit the nail on the head when he said the avalanche need to be the hammer and not the nail because the avalanche are so much better when they're the aggressors they're built from the From the top down, they're supposed to be a forward-thinking team, a team that scores a lot of goals. Their best defense is offense, and they sat home that entire third period in large stretches of the second period, and that's why they lost that game. And I know your next question, because I've already done this show enough with you, Rachel, to know, well, what are they going to come out tonight? I think they're going to come out tonight with their butts on fire, don't you, Rachel?
0: I sure as heck hope so. I definitely think that they've moved past what happened the other night. They're full steam ahead. They're the better team. And they know it. They just need to stay composed and play their own game. And hopefully they can get a win. But Cecil, so that kind of leads me into the next question. And you always talk about how you're older than us on here. So what's the biggest team letdown that you've seen on a player in your history of being a sports fan?
1: Michael Dean Perry not getting his fat ass off the field for the Broncos. like. Uh the 96 loss to Jacksonville now it led to greatness it led to two back-to-back Super Bowls for the Broncos but ask any of those guys ask stink next time hey what about 96 Jacksonville the fact that they were the number 1 say so they were rolling and no one's ever three-peated and now I owe Pat Riley a quarter for saying that no one's three-peated in the NFL ever not even Tom Brady winning a dozen Super Bowls or whatever the number is um you look at the Broncos in 96 they were absolutely monsters and they roll up against Jacksonville and Mark Brunel and those scrappy Jaguars in Mile High Stadium. They get beat. So for me, that game and then that taste led to back to back Super Bowls. But I think if the Broncos would have went in ninety six, hell, I think if Elway would have come back in ninety nine and they would have won three in a row then, although his body was pretty broken at the time. But yeah, that that's probably the largest, maybe not single player. Uh, you know, collapse, what have you. And there's others, I'm sure, but that one springs to mind for me.
0: Jake, what about you? Anything that pops out?
2: Yeah, just from my history of covering the Rockies, um, fans will mention the John Gray two starts at the end of the season in 17. That cost the Rockies a chance at the playoffs. They lost in a play-in game uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks and and they only were there because of a rough start and then in 18 John Gray had a tough start that ended up them tied with the Dodgers in a play-in game then they had to beat the Cubs um, I don't want to put John Gray on that list because in all truth it was actually the Rockies fault for putting themselves in that position they should have won a game in 2018 out on the road where Scott Oberg had to face Yasiel Puig they should have had a different reliever in the game at that point but the Montforts didn't want to spend money and expand their roster to a total of more than like I think it was like thirty three guys. They could have gone up to forty, and that's what the Dodgers did. Uh, and they didn't have a left handed reliever on their roster to face Yasil Puig, and it, it ended up being with a three run home run that cost the Rockies. So uh, I mean that that's the stuff that kind of sticks out the, those Rockies moments. The Rockies obviously haven't been there as much as the Broncos, and then you talk about the stuff like Raheem Moore Th- that game. Uh, I always think about Anthony Carter not being able to inbound the ball uh, for the Nuggets in the Western Conference final. That one was like, I mean, that Nuggets team probably should have gotten through that Lakers team and they would have had a chance to win the NBA championship that year. And uh, I mean, that's like I didn't even think about that at first because I've put that so out of my head as a Nuggets fan because it's just so painful.
0: That's how I feel about the Raheem Moore plague. It was my birthday. I was absolutely devastated. I was so cold, and it still just haunts me. I like when people ask me about my sports memories, I just try to leave that one completely out because I'm like, well, that was the biggest bummer.
1: Ask our boss, Ross Sharon, about that game sometime because at the two minute warning, we get to go down to the field. Mm-hmm. So the two minute warning, fourth quarter, you go down there, you're not thinking it's going to be double overtime when it's minus 13 degrees. And Raj was freezing his ass off down there uh, and then watching that play. And I always blame Tony Carter for not, you know, just disrupting. It's third and forever. Jacoby Jones is a speed guy, runs one route. He's a friend of mine, so I can say that. But anyway, like, Tony Carter didn't do anything to him. Just let him run right by. And then Elvis Dumerville, going up against a backup left tackle, couldn't get Joe Flacco, who's not exactly fleet of foot, like – It was a multiple breakdown. I'm not sticking up for Raheem, but like that's Raheem's play is remembered, but there's other breakdowns on that play that just – again, that was the best Peyton Manning team. 2013 was the best offense. 2015 was the best defense. They have won Super Bowl in four years. They could have gone three times. They should have won twice. And 2012 was the best Peyton Manning year for the complete team. So so real quick as a follow-up, Cecil, would you say – that the two best Broncos teams
2: of those two different eras John Elway and Peyton Manning actually didn't win the Super Bowl
1: yeah yeah you could definitely say that that's very interesting I've never thought of it that way but yeah that's very very interesting because 96 they were rolling and 2012 they were rolling and then you know you win or go home in the playoffs and they went home
0: Hmm, yeah I've never thought of it that way either so now that you say that Jake I'm like wow Maybe that is true, but
1: because 2013 is overshadowed by the 55 touchdowns and 5507 passing, and then 2015 is overshadowed by Vaughn and DeMarcus and everybody in that defense. But the best teams collectively didn't win Super Bowls here. Yeah.
0: Man, that makes sports are just so crazy. They're so fun, but we're obviously hoping to go to the Super Bowl this year with Russell Wilson. The Broncos OTAs have been going on this past week. Cecil, tell us the main storylines that people need to be paying attention to.
1: The main storylines that they need to be paying attention to is the fact that Sutton is Russell Wilson's favorite. This is a fantasy football alert for everyone out there Uh, and getting to watch two full practices Uh, There's no doubt that Sutton is Russell Wilson's favorite. Now, Russell Wilson is doing not the hand gyrations like Peyton Manning did. He's doing more subtle things at the line of scrimmage, but he is changing stuff. This is for him. And I got, I don't know how many likes, right? It's all about social networking. Don't get me started on my anti-social networking rant. But anyway, um, I, I mentioned on Twitter, hey, Seattle, you're just dumb. You're just dumb. I'm sorry. You're dumb. Getting rid of Russell Wilson. That's dumb. Uh, we're going to run the ball. That's dumb. Sorry. Today's NFL keeping Pete Carroll instead of Russell Wilson. That's dumb. You know, it's just not going to work out. And when you see Russell Wilson able to operate in a system that is truly for him, everything they're doing is for him. He's changing the place. He's running the shows. He's on the same page as Hackett in terms of what they want to do. You can see this guy put up league MVP type of numbers. The last time and the only time that Russell Wilson was top 10 in passing attempts was 2017, and he led the league in touchdown passes. And then Seattle's like, stop that, you silly Russell Wilson. Let's get back to running the ball. And I say this as an old-school football fan who loves running the ball, but I also read the room. I recognize what today's NFL is about, and it's about being pass-happy. It's about running at the right time, not running all the time. Seattle wants to run all the time, and that's why it's dumb. It's dumb to get rid of Russell Wilson. Oh, he's not the same his legs whatever. Nope. You're dumb. I watch every game and I chart every play for every game in the National Football League every year. Jake is always asking me, like, did you see this abs thing? I'm like, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Like, uh, don't don't do that because my job is to be a football expert and I don't know anything about anything else except for comic books. So in watching these plays and charting, ev- I've seen every snap of Russell Wilson's career. I've charted every snap of Russell Wilson's career. If you're saying he's done or he's not the same or last year in Seattle, you don't know football. Whenever I hear someone say that, like tell me you don't know football without saying you don't know football. Russell Wilson's not the same. See, You have no, you have no idea what Seattle was asking him to do, how he was hurt, by the way, how he came back from injury too soon, by the way. And how he looks like himself now. So what what did you notice,
2: Cecil, after the injury last year? Because it was rough for a few weeks after he came mm-hmm. back from that finger. And, you know, yeah. like you're referencing, he wasn't really allowed to throw the ball until the fourth quarter most of his career in Seattle. So yep. what did you kind of notice later in the season? Because I think that's probably – the closest we're going to get to what Russell Wilson's probably going to be this year. Maybe. I don't know. You tell me. Right.
1: Well, he's got the prettiest deep pass in the NFL. You haven't seen pass like that since Jeff Blake. And we're just like rainbow arching, almost go off the screen and then come in at the right spot at the right moment. You didn't see that coming back from the finger. There always was this hesitancy as well, because Russ heard the noise. And as I reported two years ago, when you know i heard some stuff from seattle's side this wasn't wilson wanting out of seattle it was partly but it was first them wanting him out and when i'd heard that two years ago and i reported it on the fan i was like it's kind of weird guys but russell wilson's going to be gone and people would say no no and it's his agent his agent's a turd and whatever and I'm like I don't talk to his agent. Sorry. I think agent fed information is awful and pretty much corrupts our news cycle in probably all of sports, but I just concentrate on the NFL. So with Wilson, it was not the pretty deep passes. And then there always was this hesitancy of like, I'm not supposed to run, but can I run now? And I'm not supposed to throw, but can I throw? So it was just it was just really bizarre Um, and I think it was the pass placement that was off mostly last year coming back from the injury and then when he got better you saw it kind of come back a little bit but only as much as Seattle would allow him to come back.
0: Okay you mentioned Cortland being his favorite what did you notice in particular that really proved that to you?
1: prove that to me is that they don't need to communicate as much as with others like Russell Wilson is coaching up his other receivers Now Jerry Judy wasn't on the field I'm not at liberty to say it's it's a it's not a big deal it has nothing to do with off-field stuff it is a slight little soreness or whatever but it hasn't been reported and I'm not going to report it because well just not my place to do that but anyway so it's not a big deal but with the other receivers out there you see and maybe that's part of the reason is because judy's not out there he's taking more time to explain hey go with this how about that how about cut in here do that with sutton they just kind of (laughs) nod and they go and there were two passes in two open practices that were a little bit off to sutton behind him mainly um but that tells me that's just a timing issue. That's not a pass placement issue with Russell. When Drew Locke threw behind Cortland Sutton, you'd be like, eh, "That's what you get." It's like, it's, you just kind of going to get that. Uh, when Wilson does it a couple of times in two full days, you go, "Okay, they're just working on their timing a little bit." Because Sutton's breaking on his route, maybe at a different spot or a different time of where Wilson expects him to be. Because Wilson's going to be on point with those passes.
0: So Pat Sertan also talked to the media this week, and you know. There was a lot of talk about him and kind of how he's growing and how he's looking at rookies this year. But how can Pat Sertan get better this year as he moves into his second year?
1: Yeah, it'll take other teams throwing the ball to him. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. And I think Russell Wilson helps your defense, and this is for everybody, including Justin Simmons, uh, that when your offense is scoring points, now the opponent has pressure on themselves to actually do something. And you saw this with New England years ago. I think it was the Trevor Simeon year. I don't know. The bad years for the Broncos, i try to just kind of push them off to the side because they were so unlike what we usually see with this team. But, like, Bill Belichick would be like, we're going to score 16 points and beat this team by 10 because the Broncos' offense was horribly inept. Well, now that you have Russell Wilson, it's going to force people to throw more. And you're going to throw at Sertan, you're going to throw mostly at Darby. Darby's got to be ready, and I hope they have safety help over the top. Darby has never picked off passes. He's always been a PBU guy, which is fine. But in this defense, you need those interceptions. So you ask, how can Sertan be better? Well, yeah, you know, consistent play, all those sorts of normal things. But I think it's turnovers. That's why I've said the Ebro defense is going to be better than Fancio defense. People always fight me on that. I'm like, that. I don't know why, <laughs> was Fangio's defense. Fangio has a great mind for defensive football. I don't want to insult the man in terms of his history. He's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, ever. Mm-hmm. But his defense here sucked, okay? They talk a big talk. They weren't they weren't what they were supposed to be. So now Evro has a chance with an offense that will help him to have this defense be swarming, to be aggressive, and to be very difficult to match up with.
0: Who's going to stand out most on this defense, do you think?
1: Mm, hmm. I almost, I'm almost tempted to say Nick Benito, mm. you know, but uh, that would include Bradley Chubb getting banged up, which is a possibility, or Randy Gregory getting a po- banged up, which has already happened. So yeah, I, I would say some sort of pass rusher. Give me a pass rusher, whether it might be the combination of everybody, right? This team might get 50, 60 sacks, whatever. Like, okay, fine. Let, go go, let them hunt because Russ is going to get you the lead. They're going to run late. Again, running at the right time. You run late in the season. You run in the playoffs. But early on, let Russ get up by 20 and then turn your defense loose.
2: What do you expect from DJ Wilson this year?
1: Uh, DJ
2: Jones dj jones i'm sorry yeah, i've yeah, got, that's fine. got that's dj fine. he got
0: russell wilson on, on his head we all
2: yeah. there's a dj jones there's a dj wilson at some point i think a rockies okay. player. see that's well, my thing that i do I, I confuse old rockies minor leaguers with oh uh, yeah so sorry, it's, it's, uh, it's the reverse side cecil
1: well i saw dj lethal last night uh for <laughs> limp biscuit so there you go um dj jones is very disruptive i asked him something it's probably would have been better as an individual question than a presser question. Cause he, his answer wasn't great, but I think if you could talk to him, the key to today's NFL and I'm talking about running the football again, as I make fun of Seattle, I also acknowledge the importance of running the football, but the key to today's NFL, cause everyone's dropping eight. It's the, it's the worst kept secret in the league. Everyone's dropping eight. So that means you have three players who have to stuff the run. You have to be able to contain the run if they are going to, even if that's a rushing quarterback. You have to, stu- it's called minus one because you're light in the box. You're minus one player in the box. So you've got five blockers against three defenders. And you got to find the running back. You got to stop him. DJ Jones, there's such a thing in the scouting world called planet theory. There's only so many of those. <laughs> D- DJ Jones is huge and he's athletic. Usually guys that are huge just kind of sit there, you know, Terrence Knighton or whatever. Um, pot roast but with DJ Jones, he's very active, he can get off the line of scrimmage quickly, he's got light feet for a big man, but he's also capable of eating up those double teams while peeking in the backfield. So he'll be engaged with usually two men and then be looking in the backfield and be able to shed, sometimes with one arm, shedding a man to go get the running back. So that's his specialty. Can't wait to watch Obi-Wan. Anyway, that's his specialty, and I think that's what he'll help out the most this year is being able, and that's why I asked him, like, what's the key or how much pressure do you have on the defensive line because you got to stop the run minus one? And his answer wasn't great, but I I think the pressure is there for every team in the league to be able to know that as you get lighter faster on defense – you're going to counter some running backs. You're know you going to face the Colts. The Colts are going to knock someone out in the playoffs. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, but with Jonathan Taylor, they're going to knock someone out. The Titans, if they were to get there, they're going to knock someone out in the playoffs because you're talking about Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. You're not always going to face these high-flying Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. You're not always going to face those guys. So when you face the other guys, you've got to be ready, and a guy like DJ Jones helps you be ready
0: we got a question in the comments. says, how does Chubb look? Is he 100%? I believe he was gone Monday. Was he back in attendance on Tuesday?
1: Yes. Well, Monday was the only open practice. The rest of the time were, um, you know, just media, press conferences. And stop changing the times on me, Broncos. I
0: know.
1: Please, for the love of God. Like, I set my schedule the day before. And then when they changed the time, I was like, well, I'm not going. (laughs) So... (laughs) Anyway, that's just me complaining. Yeah, Chubb wasn't out there. We'll see if he gets out there. And it's it's for me with the regular season, like, oh, training camp. Like, I think this is Bradley Chubb's last year in Denver because if he blows up, they can't afford him. And if he doesn't blow up, they get rid of him. And it's sad. And Josh Allen and shake your fist and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just like, I, I like him as a, as a player. Uh, I wish things would have been differently. But once your body betrays you, this league is not for the timid.
0: Mm-hmm. When you look at Russell Wilson, who is he favoring more at the running back position, or has it been pretty 50 50?
1: Well, Melvin Gordon's not there. <laughs> Oh, which right. leads me to a conversation where. Podcasts?
0: How could I forget?
1: It's it's my dream to play with Russell Wilson again. We'll get your ass to town, okay? Like, and I'm sorry, I've said "ass" three times on now four times on coffee break. Pay Rachel. Them. You're, you're, pay you're, pay you're, them.
2: It's not required. He'd be there. It's it's optional. Pay them,
0: Cecil, This is an argument we could have. Jake doesn't it's think required. to. Required. Make it there.
1: required as part of the CBA. Um sure but the problem here's where the players get duped in the cba and the players have gotten absolutely flim flammed in the last two cbas uh baseball has the only union that's really worth a damn basketball of course uh, as well yeah. but uh and don't get me started on hockey because i won't i won't know much about the players union with hockey just be honest but with football they flim flam because they say let's practice guys you can smoke weed we're gonna take all your money okay And the player and they've they pitted last time, it's very dirty, very dirty. They pitted the rich players against the normal players. And this league is like 90% normal players, 90% guys that are going to be on the radio when they're done playing or selling insurance or whatever. Like, and then you got to your 10% or 1% or whatever of your super rich guys. So they pitted that because the league is mainly made up of guys that live paycheck to paycheck. And I understand those paychecks are, you know, Fifty thousand and a couple hundred thousand whatever some paychecks are much larger um but like the nfl they don't less practice guys i think less practice has made the league worse i think less hitting has made the league worse and it's not just tackling fundamentals it's also the callous and doctors that i've talked to like totally don't agree with this so whatever but i think your body it's like when you work out or you're playing switch bowling right you as the more you do it your body's going to get used to doing it well these guys don't get hit and then september they get hit and they're like oh my god it hurts like well if you'd gotten a little roughed up in august a little roughed up in july maybe even in june you know again i'm old school i've been covering the team since 2004 so i've seen those days and yes there were some devastating injuries but injuries happen for me it's like eh go out, get your body callous. And for the Melvin Gordon thing, I just don't like him talking out both sides of his mouth being like, this is my dream. And then he's not there. And for the people that say, well, he's never been there and this is the way he's done. it. And I was talking to Mace about this, right? Cause Mace was like, well, he's a seven year, 10 year million year pro or whatever. And I was like, what's he done? What's he done? How many? Oh, he's got so many rings. Does he have rings? Oh, Melvin Gordon doesn't have any rings. Oh, he's got 1,000-yard season's falling out. Hey, Melvin, you dropped something that's 1,000-yard season. No, he's got one, and it was barely a 1,000 yards. So you could probably do things differently. If it truly was, you're in a championship window. You're in a Super Bowl window, right? This isn't a normal Denver Broncos team. They're going to be plucky. They're going to compete for the playoffs. There's a God-blessed Super Bowl on the line. And one of your, this is why I didn't want to bring Melvin Gordon back for many reasons, many reasons. You did not, he's going to fumble a game away. You guys were talking about McKinnon when I was checking my phone and you guys were talking about, Oh, they let McKinnon down. Wait till Melvin Gordon fumbles a game away. Now going to mini camp, is that going to keep him from fumbling? No. So I agree with you there, Jake, but it's like, dude, if don't talk about it, be about it. Right. Oh, it's my dream. Get another dream. <laughs> And God bless America. Why did this team bring him back? I don't know.
0: You know, I I have the same approach. I'm like, Melvin, let's be honest. You haven't done a whole lot. You're a big name, but let's go out there and prove it and see what we can do. So I get frustrated that he's not out there. I want him out frustrated. I see Jake's point about it, but. We all have to work like 52 weeks a year, right? I know that they work tons of hours during the regular season, but this is a whole other discussion that we could talk about for literally an hour. But both of you, thanks so much for hanging out with me on coffee break. I hope you both have a wonderful weekend and to everybody watching too. I hope you all have such a good night. Um, go abs. Jake, what do you got?
2: Oh, I hate when you do this to me. Uh, I, you know what? Screw it. Five, two abs.
0: Five
2: two abs. Yeah, what do you got? See, look, it's not fun when it's all of a sudden. Rachel, give me your score. Cecil, you can throw in a score if you want to. Five two blues. Uh, don't please Cecil. don't,
0: oh my sir. God, <laughs> Cecil. <laughs> not chill.
1: If you don't have conflict, you don't have a story. Okay. So, you want conflict? You want story? I want story? there to
2: be no story and for me to enjoy my holiday weekend. I... Is that fair, Cecil?
0: <laughs> for you, I'll, right? say,
1: I'll say I'll abs for you. And I I have no idea, right? Okay, we'll, we'll just be totally honest. I have no idea. Um, I'll watch the highlights, Jake, as you asked me before. Like, did you see that? I'm like, nope. I just watch the highlights. But I'll, I'll say this. It would be better for everybody if the abs just took care of business, man. Take to get it done. You got someone on the ropes. You take care of business.
0: Please. Okay, I'm going 3-1. Abs. I think it's going to be a really close game, a majority of the game. I think there will be an empty netter at the end, and the Abs will come away victorious, and DMAC will never have to go back to St. Louis ever again. So that's my score prediction. Cecil, you have to take back what you said. We're just going to pretend like it never happened. Jake. I like your score prediction. Let's hope it comes true as well. But thank you, everybody, so much for hanging out with us on Coffee Break. Again, we appreciate it. We will not be live on Monday as we will celebrate the holiday. So see you back here Tuesday, 1030 a.m. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye, Rachel.